Coming up on this episode of Disneyland Weekly, D23 tickets go on sale soon. We have a surprise guest host this week, and we complete our tour of Disney California Adventure. Disneyland Weekly starts now. This is Disneyland Weekly. Welcome to this episode of Disneyland Weekly for the week of March 28th, 2018. I'm Teg Bushman. Teresa is busy wrapping up a kitchen remodel at her place, so this week someone else is co-hosting with me. Yes, the infamous James Teg always talks about is filling in today. Excited to be here, even though I know there's no way I can match the knowledge and expertise that Teg and Teresa bring to this. Well, you're going to hear us say this a lot on the show for the next couple of months. We're taking a survey of our listeners, and we'd like you to participate. It will help us learn more about you, no matter how long you've been a listener or how frequently you listen to the show. So please take a few minutes and visit our website at DisneylandWeekly.com slash survey. You'll be automatically redirected to the listener survey, and you can complete the survey anonymously. Thank you to all of you who have already completed the survey. We're happy seeing all the feedback. Thanks. We're excited to welcome Ken as a new patron at the annual pass holder level. At that level, Ken gets access to patron-only content, a shout-out on the podcast, hey, access to our Slack channel, the regular outtakes episodes, and a button. If this sounds exciting to you, you can also become a patron by going to DisneylandWeekly.com backslash support. Now let's get to the news. Disney fan, and odds are you are because you're listening to this podcast, then you'll want to get tickets for the D23 Expo for 2019. Tickets are going on sale on August 23rd at d23expo.com, and there'll be special pricing for one- and three-day tickets for the event, including a discount for buying early, but that's exclusive to D23 Gold members. The Expo itself will be held at the Anaheim Convention Center right across the street from Disneyland from August 23rd to the 25th, again, in 2019. I want to go to the D23 Expo so bad, and I'm hoping maybe just maybe I'll be able to go to this one, because it does kind of work out schedule-wise that uh, we should be able to afford to, and, uh, you know, with the podcast, uh, I feel like we almost have to go to it. I know Teresa will love hearing that, It too. is kind of an obligation for you to get out there sooner than that, probably, if yeah. not that at the latest. Maybe, but this will also be, um, at the, you know, in the same time that the D23 Expo is going on, um, you know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge should be open, so that should be interesting. And then on top of that, of course, at D23, they always announce the new things that are coming to the parks, so we will we'll be on a high from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and then we're just going to get more information, and hopefully it's good information. Well, you'll probably get an insight into what's coming in the, the Marvel land, so that could be some really cool stuff if Star Wars is going really well. Yeah, I hope so. Well, the Orange County Register posted an article today detailing what is going to be closing to make way for the new hotel. Retail spaces that will be closing permanently are the AMC 12 Theaters, the Rainforest Cafe, 
ESPN Zone, Earl of Sandwich, Alamo Renicar, and the West Side Starbucks location. The Disney Vacation Club and Walt Disney Travel will continue in other locations. Some of these may close earlier, but all of them have until June 30th of this year to vacate. This could be a bit of my ignorance, but I'm eager to see if the demand for the 700-room hotel will be met. You know, you've got it in my head that Disneyland is more for locals than it is, you know, than the counterpart Disney World in Florida. So I'm eager to see. Well, it seems like the three that they have there now doesn't have trouble selling out. And there's all those hotels right off property that seem to do okay, too. Plus, I think... With the new hotel being, you know, what is it, a four or five diamond hotel, I think what's going to happen is is you're going to get a whole other level of guests. Because I think it's going to be, you know, a step up from the Grand Californian, which I think is really nice as it is. We'll see. It'll be cool to see what they come up with. We've got an update on the Main Street tracks again this week. Mice Chat says the horse-drawn trolleys will be back in service on Thursday. Returning guests will notice the trolleys will be going in a figure-eight pattern instead of always bearing to the right and staying on one side of the track because it should help balance the wear on the trolleys, the harnesses, and it's going to be better for the horses. Figure-eight. Explain this to me. So instead of always just going on one side and then circling back, they will have the opportunity to go on both sides and kind of weave essentially oh that's interesting yeah if you Um, look at the track you can see it kind of crossing yeah so huh 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 i like this um good i'm glad they're changing it up i guess uh well say goodbye to red rockets pizza port for a while at least walt disney world news today uh, says starting in april the pizza joint will become aliens pizza planet a better place the change is anticipated to be open on april 13th just in time for pixar fest now, I know they're saying this change is temporary, but, you know, you got to remember Red Rose Tavern was also supposed to be temporary, and that was about a year ago, at least, that they took over Pinocchio Village House. Yeah. Um, Disney has a history of kind of doing that, where it's supposed to be something limited, and then they kind of keep it. Although, most of the time when they keep it, it's been good, so I can't complain. I know that one thing I've seen online about this particular story uh, is that people hope that the menu gets an update, or the quality of the menu gets an update, at least. Um, I don't know. I like Red Rockets Pizza Port. I've never had a problem there. I like their pasta. I love the pizza, but I love pizza all the time. I saw people raving about the pasta, too, so... Well, you know, uh, I've, I've told many a story about Teresa on this podcast, and now that James is here, I could tell many a story about James. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, James. Uh, you eat what I call cardboard pizza. He eats like the $3, $2.50, like Tony's. Looks like it's made on cardboard with like a little bit of stuff. You know, you get what you pay for, and that's apparently the quality of pizza that I look forward to. So. Well, then Red Rockets Pizza Port, maybe it's for you. <laughs> oh, I also want to laugh about this, because so, that's such a long name for a restaurant, but like, I like when they're talking about a better place, because thinking of the LGMs, when they get grabbed by the claw, they're always like, I'm off to a better place, and that's where the name oh. comes from. Well, yeah, because it's supposed to be Pixar-y, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Now, do you think the Pizza Planet, because one of the things that shows up in all the Pixar movies is the Pizza Planet truck, like the delivery, like pickup, do you think that'll make an appearance somewhere? Gosh, I feel like it would be a miss if they didn't have something like that there. If you're listening to this before Easter Sunday, you can enjoy a character dining buffet at the PCH Grill. Some of the entrees include barbecue ribs, hand-carved roast beef, and slow-cooked pork shoulder. For the kids, there are mini cheeseburger sliders, chicken tenders, and plenty of sweets for dessert. You can make reservations at the link in our show notes at DisneylandWeekly.com. Doesn't this sound good to you? I feel like uh, I feel like the kids' stuff, at least, the mini cheeseburger, chicken tenders, seems like right up your alley. Oh, I'm so excited for the idea of that kids' menu. <laughs> Maybe dinner tomorrow. 
Oh, jeez. If you can't wait for Pixar Fest for a glimpse of the new fireworks, then go check out the new video that Disney released on the Disneyland YouTube page. It has an interview with the show's creative director and includes some footage of the new show during testing. Uh, you can get a link to this on our website at DisneylandWeekly.com in the show notes as well. I just saw it tonight before recording the podcast, and it looks it looks pretty good. It was interesting because they you could tell that they filmed this a couple weeks ago because they still have the walls up around the, the tracks going down Main Street. Um, but... Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to judge fireworks shows online because even there's even fireworks shows that I've seen in person before and then I've watched them online and I'm like, I feel like they're so much better in person. So I, I don't think it's fair to judge based on a video. However, I think it's always cool. I always like to see kind of what's coming. I mean, Disney has a reputation. They don't they don't really let you down with the nighttime spectaculars. So it, it's going to be good and enjoyable. Yeah, not often. I mean, they Sometimes they have, you know, ups and downs or whatever, but uh, I would say lately they've been really great. I mean, I I still have a hard time. I love uh, Remember Dreams Come True, the 50th anniversary fireworks spectacular, because it was the whole middle section was e-tickets in the sky. And I I just feel like for me, that like little bit of nostalgia and like that, that Disneyland fandom, like they really played a lot of fan service there and I loved every minute of it. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where I don't know if for me, they will ever top that. Sure. I guess, I guess I'm a little bit more open to it. I think of the one that I really enjoyed. It was when we were down at Hollywood Studios in Florida and we saw fireworks paired with Star Wars music. And that's when we quickly learned that Star Wars music makes great firework music. Oh, Yeah. Definitely. Well, that wraps up the news this week. We actually went into this uh, episode earlier uh, not having much uh, news, and then suddenly we found a bunch of news right beforehand, so I guess that worked out well. Yeah, apparently Tuesday's the day for it. I guess. Uh, you know, last week they did the Marvel stuff came out on Tuesday, and now this week uh, just some little odds and ends. Well, Teresa is very sad to be missing this, and I say that sarcastically because she was... She was getting kind of tired of Disney California Adventure. She, she just didn't have the uh, level of excitement for California Adventure as she did for Disneyland. Obvi- I mean, Disneyland's the original. Of course, you're going to have more excitement for Disneyland. Uh, but so she's missing out on this last bit of the tour. James is going to be here with me. Uh, you know, we, we're we going to finish Disney California Adventure with Paradise Pier and Grizzly Peak. Now, I was confused when I was looking at this because when California Adventure first opened... There was Paradise Pier, and then there was Grizzly Peak, which is where uh, you know the Grizzly River Run is, and then there was the um, Condor Flats, which is where Soarin' Over California is. Well, Soarin' Over the World now, but then it was Soarin' Over California, and so I was looking around, I was like, Grizzly Peak, Grizzly Peak. So the, that area now is part of Grizzly Peak called Grizzly Peak Airfield. Um, but we're just going to call it Grizzly Peak for this. So um, let's start with now some of this stuff. Obviously, we're talking about Paradise Pier, which is going to become Pixar Pier here very shortly. So we can't talk about that. We will cover this again. So Teresa cannot escape. Uh, we will cover this again when Pixar Pier opens this summer. So, uh, but let's talk about what was there beforehand. So let's start with. Um, Let's start with, uh, did you have anything about just Paradise Pier in general? I just think it's, you know, interesting that they tried to bring a California-themed boardwalk here, and then they had to retheme so much of it already once, and now they're doing it again. So I think it's part of the problem with the identity crisis that Disney California Adventure has, that you don't get that, like, nostalgic draw that you get by your time at Disneyland, so. Right. Well, you know, they... You know, like we discussed another, uh, you know, when we when we first talked about um, our first episode of California Adventure with Buena Vista Street, and we talked about 
the idea for Disney California Adventure was, you know, all these tourists are in California and, you know, why, you know, if we want to keep them here, let's bring California to a park. And it's just, I just don't think it's a good idea, uh, obviously, and it didn't work out. So uh, did you have any t- any information just about Paradise Pier? Nope, I'm ready to just get into the attractions. All right, so what's the first attraction you got? Let's start with California Screamin'. Oh, California Screamin', becoming the Incredicoaster soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this ride opened with the park February 8th, 2001, and you'll hear that a lot throughout this podcast. It was actually the only roller coaster at Disneyland Resort that features an inversion, you know, that loop that she hit. Um, and it's the fastest Disneyland ride. It takes guests up to 55 miles per hour, and it's one of the fastest in all of Disneyland parks across the world. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so California Screamin', actually the eighth longest roller coaster in the world, and it's actually the longest one that has an inversion in the world because the one that previously had it had the loop taken out. Oh, wow. Do you know which one that was? It was... No, I don't remember. But I bet you I can find out by doing the best thing this podcast does and looking at things on the fly. (laughs) Um, The attraction was called Son of a Beast, and it was taken out in 2006. Where was that? Uh, It was at Kings Island in Mason, Ohio. Oh, nice. That's interesting. I didn't know that it was one of the... You said it was the eighth longest? Eighth longest roller coaster. I, I do... Yeah, because... I've ridden, I've ridden, I haven't ridden a ton of roller coasters, but I've ridden a few roller coasters. I would say I've ridden probably above average the amount of ro- different roller coasters that most people have, and um, that's interesting because California Screaming does seem kind of longer now that you think about it. Now that I'm kind of reflecting on it, uh, it does seem longer uh, than others that I've been on. Hmm. Yeah, and ro- roller coasters my thing. Growing up here in Wisconsin, uh, the big thing for me to go to was Six Flags Great America down near Chicago. So I, I think of roller coasters, and that's kind of what I grew up riding. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel the length on this one. Hmm. And how can you be upset about Neil Patrick Harris giving you the safety spiel? Right, right. Well, I'm glad that they... I love Neil Patrick Harris, but I'm glad that they took his voice out of the Indiana Jones adventure because he had done the voice of Mara for a little while and it just was not cutting it. But he's perfect for California Screamin', uh, although that's obviously going to change with Pixar Pier. Mm-hmm. So are you done with California Screamin'? Yeah, unless you got anything else. I do not. I The only thing I will say is I love this attraction. Um, it Maybe not now, but maybe after the refurbishment. Uh, it, has been one, it is one of the most smooth roller coasters i've been on it's very smooth doesn't jostle you around uh i don't feel like i'm gonna die when i'm on it or anything like that so you know as roller coasters go disney did an excellent job i think so moving on um let's actually uh i'm gonna jump around here a little bit james so i don't mean to screw you up here but um let's go to let's kind of follow the path around so uh toy story midway mania toy story so Midway Mania. that's right under that it was actually built later on uh, which you're, i think are going to talk about but oh, uh, it's it. built under california screaming which is pretty cool hmm. i did not know that yeah yeah so the 4d interactive attraction opened june 17 2008 guests hop on a spinning vehicle and go through five rounds of virtual environments based on classic carnival games you can also find this at hollywood studios in florida and tokyo disney sea and as a person whose hobby is playing a lot of video games i really don't like riding this with tag because i always lose are you saying that I, I always beat you? You always beat me at these kinds of attractions. Well, I beat you at this one because, like, a lot of it's just... So, it, for those of you who have not been on Toy Story Midway Mania, you basically sit down, you're wearing 3D glasses, and you've got this, like, 
cannon in front of you that has this little pull string. And literally, you just pull it to shoot, like, these balls or hoops or whatever it needs for that particular game. And throughout the whole attraction, I literally just sit there and pull on that thing as fast as I possibly can. Uh, Afterwards, my arm is, like, exhausted. But I just pull, 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 pull. And as I'm pulling, I just aim for whatever, and it works out. So, uh, you know, I can at least beat James at some part of some video game-like thing. Yeah, you're definitely the better one at that. So It always has a long wait, too, everywhere even, um, which is weird because it seems like the capacity's okay because you can fit four people in per car, and I think there's... You've, it's, it's, uh, it's all in kind of a swinging pendulum thing, so you end up getting two cars that are sent at the same time, so that's like eight people at a time, but... I'm not sure why it always says a long line, but uh, I actually really like this attraction. I, I think that uh, this is kind of similar to Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters in, in that kind of gamey kind of shoot kind of thing. Yep, definitely. But I actually like Midway Mania better for some reason. Hmm. I, I think that might be just kind of the general theming of it. Like, yeah, they're both Toy Story, but this one just really buys into that carnival theme and it has a really good like cue system that kind of gets you into the mood for it. I think the outside of this attraction looks great, too. It, like, really fits in with the pier. I think, obviously, Midway Mania, like, it just fits in perfectly. Also, um, it feels long when you're on it. Like, so you wait in a line for a while, but, like, you know, you end up stopping in front of each of these uh, screens to play these different games, and, you know, they rotate you around and you swing around, and it's amazing how much they fit into that kind of little area there. Yep. Yeah, I was reading online rumors that the queue time seems to be down a little bit because there's fewer attractions around there that it's become a bit of a destination but I don't know if I buy into those. Q times are down, like people aren't going over to it, or they're up? Uh, Q times are down, so instead of like the typical 60 minutes, sometimes it's dropping down to be only about 30 minutes. Oh, wow. So people just, there's nothing else over there, so are you going to walk all the way over there just for that? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Well, for those of you who like Toy Story Midway Mania, perhaps you should uh, get get over there when you can. Uh, something we did kind of skip here, if we're, if we're taking my way of doing this and going around, was King Triton's Carousel, because that actually is between California Screaming and Toy Story Midway Mania. So what tantalizing information do you have for us on that? Well, shocker, it's another opening day attraction with right. uh, California Adventure. So it's, it's your typical merry-go-round carousel kind of feel, except really unique that it has the multicolored sea creatures instead of horses and... Uh, carriages to ride in around there Um, as probably know it is down and being rethemed and it'll be jesse's critter carousel which is scheduled to open sometime next year well as we continue along the pier uh we come across mickey's fun wheel what do you got about mickey's fun wheel other than the fact that there is half of this attraction or maybe two-thirds of this attraction that i will not go on yeah i would call this eccentric ferris wheel the iconic attraction of the park at least based on the appearance because when i think of California Adventure and the logo, I think of Mickey's face on the Ferris uh, wheel. Yep. So, yeah, the attraction, another opening day attraction, except it was opened as the Sun Wheel, where it had the big sun on it, and right. was later made over to what we know today, and is once again changing, and we'll have Pixar characters on the gondolas. So like Tig mentioned, there's two ways to ride this. You either get the standard buckets that go around on the fixed track, or you get the sliding gondolas, which come stocked with motion sickness bags for the intense experience. As he said, an experience he wouldn't let us try last time we were there. I will tell you this. So I have been on, I, I went to the carnival and I went on the zipper, which people throw up on all the time. I did not get nauseous. I, it was fine. I had no problem. 
I went on Mickey's Fun Wheel a few years ago, and I went on one of those inside cars, and I thought every single time we slid and swung that I was going to blow chunks everywhere. But I didn't. But I felt like it, and I don't ever want that feeling again, so I don't go on that. I do like the view from the normal cars. As you go around, you get a great view. Um, so I, I'm glad that it's sticking around. I, I like me a good uh, a good Karis, or a good uh, Ferris wheel, just like the next person. I love the views you can get from it, and uh, it can get a little scary sometimes. You get up there when it's you know windy on some days, and it kind of rocks back and forth. But um, I love it. I wish it was open. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I I wish it was open during uh, World of Color because that'd yeah. be a pretty sure they shut that down yeah. since the projections and everything's right there. But that would be so cool to watch World of Color from up on Mickey's Fun Wheel. So, so now you've got me curious if I'm missing out by not having had the sliding gondola experience. So for those of you out there who have tried it, tweet at us at DL Weekly and let us know. Yeah, if you want to send us a video even of you on it so uh, James can uh, look at it and uh, live it vicariously through your video. Preferably not one using the motion sickness bags, though. That yeah. would be great. <laughs> yes, that would. Yes, please don't do the motion sickness bags. <laughs> Moving along, is that all you had for Biggie's Fun Wheel? That's what I got. All right, so I do want to talk about an attraction that is not on our list because I, I have a funny story about it. So, Is it but, the Maliboomer? The Maliboomer, yep. So uh, as you come around Paradise Pier there, before you get over to the area that they've, you know, by where the uh, Silly Symphony swings and stuff are, Across from that, in the little loop section, or not the loop, but like the little turnaround section for California Screaming, there used to be uh, an attraction there called the Maliboomer. And the story I have is I went on it because I was like, I'm going to go on everything in Disneyland. You went on the Maliboomer? I went on the Maliboomer. I went on the Maliboomer, I think, more than once. I think we went on it two or three times, maybe. So my friend Beth and I, we went on this thing, and it was so funny because they had this plastic shield that was in front of you and it's either it's either i can't make up my mind whether it was because they wanted to stop people from like spitting off of it which is probably one reason and the other reason is i think if you like if people get like sick it just is contained to your stomach (laughs) whatever bodily function comes out of your mouth right so uh so we're going up right and so the way this works is it kind of it kind of lifts you up a few feet and then it launches you up to the top and then it just kind of like bounces and then you come down well we got launched up, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that is the worst part of that attraction is that launch. So you launch up. As soon as you get to the top, you have this couple seconds of, like, feeling weightless. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a panicked, wet cat, like, that you throw into the swimming pool <laughs> or the bathtub, and it's trying to, like, claw its way out. So we get to the top, and my hands go from being relaxed to trying to grab something to stop myself from falling because it's just a reaction. So I am clawing at this plastic shield, trying to catch myself. (laughs) Obviously, it didn't work. Um, But right past that, like once you start going down and bouncing and stuff, it was fine. It was just that immediate reaction of you've come to a stop and now you're going to fall. Hated it. Uh, I don't do any of those drop attractions or anything like that. Usually... uh, but I thought that that story and me feeling like a wet cat trying to grab one of the plastic uh, just didn't happen. I can't imagine you're the only one that did that, but who knows? I felt so stupid right afterwards. Well, it was funny because as we were launching up, it takes a couple seconds to get up there. We got almost to the top and I turned to Beth and I go, oh, this isn't so bad. And then claw, 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 claw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right. So, so this, is, this is probably a good segue into jumping jellyfish. Then. That's, but that's not where, that's not what's next. But, but they're like cover the same attraction. Jellyfish. Not really. Oh, they're totally the same. So, what's, so let's talk about jumping jellyfish then. Yeah. Another opening day attraction described as a parachute jump style attraction. Okay. Much more child friendly than that Malaboomer. Yes. Uh, and you can also find it at Tokyo Disney Sea and is similar to the Toy Soldiers Parachute Drop at Disneyland Paris and Hong Kong Disneyland. Huh. Yeah, I uh, I will not shame... I, I, I'm not ashamed to say I've been on this multiple times. It is fun to ride. It's very bouncy. Uh, and usually, if you, people do... The cast members do look at you funny if you don't have small children with you. But uh, I like this one. Is that all you had for that one? Yeah, that's all there is <laughs> yeah, to this I was one. Gonna say, there's not much to it. <laughs> so if we backtrack just a little bit, the first attraction you come to as you come out of the pier there uh, is the Silly Symphony Swings, which opened as the uh, Orange Stinger, because it looked like an orange, because California theme. Uh, but now it's uh, it's supposed to be a uh, theme towards what? Like a, like a cyclone, right? Of like Silly Symphonies, and it's cyclonic. Yeah. Yep. So what do you know? Yep, so like Tig mentioned, this form that we know opened June 11th, 2010, um, and I thought the Orange Stinger looked way cooler because it had all that orange peels that was coming out so you could get your views, and fun fact, they had orange scents originally with it, so you would smell orange to get right. that experience, but they had to take it out because it started attracting bees. I was going to say, <laughs> I think they even had like a bee sound when you were on that, didn't they? It was like bzzz. I don't know. That I felt like it. the bees. It, I, maybe. <laughs> uh, but what I didn't like about it was because it did obstruct your view. I mean, you had sections you could see out. Um, I don't know. I, I mm. You know, swing attractions are in a lot of places. So yeah. I like the fact that they tried to make it something unique. And now it's non-unique seats on a swing over the pier. That's true. The old, but but you know what? You say there's those swing attractions everywhere. I like this one because I feel like it's not going to snap and go fling me off into the Paradise Bay. Uh, where, like, sometimes at the fair and stuff, like, I get on these and I go, oh, is this chain going to hold? <laughs> yeah, I guess there is definitely a comfort with the Disney standards. <laughs> right. Uh, so is that all you have for that one? Yep. All right. So since we've already covered Jumpin' Jellyfish, let's move on. The next one we come across is Goofy's Sky School. Yeah. Which uh, which is just a mad, angry mouse mad attraction. Mad mouse. Mad, yep. mad mouse attraction that was originally Mulholland Madness based off of Mulholland Drive. Uh, what else do you know? Yeah. So it became uh, Goofy's Sky School, July 1st, 2011. Um, and it's based on a short film from Disney in 1940 called Goofy's Glider. Hmm. I'll tell you, this attraction, I like this attraction because there's a couple <laughs> there's a couple things about it that I like. So first of all, you, you get on, it's moving really slow at first, you know, whatever. It It is like the fastest chain lift I've ever been on because it just like sucks you up there. And all I can think about is why can't you make full size roller coasters chain lift that fast? Because that's the most boring part of a thing is you just suck them up like that. Yeah, but for some people, it's that suspense that really draws them in. But then you get up there and you are like a rag doll in this thing. You are like, ugh. Uh, you know, and it goes the one way, and then it goes the other way, and I feel sorry for, you know, either person on either side, they get s- smashed. And then one other story I have about this that I love is uh, my friend Beth, she told me when we went to Disneyland for the first time that she had this thing called a primal scream. And I was like, well, what does it sound like? And she said, well, I start to scream like a normal person, you know, ah! 
And then it goes really deep, like, uh, and she said that she does it on like Space Mountain. So I, I didn't hear it on Space Mountain. I didn't hear it when we went on the Malibu. I didn't hear it on any, I didn't hear it on California Screaming, nothing. We get on Goofy, it wasn't Goofy Sky School at the time, but the track's the same. And it's one of the first drops after you kind of kind of come down, and you have that kind of like um, it like goes down and then comes kind of comes back up. And we go down, and she goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, "Was that your primal scream?" And she goes, "Yes." And I go, "Oh, it took us this stupid Mad Mouse ride for the one thing to be what we got it, not any of the big stuff." So um, Jeez, I mo- like it though; it's a good attraction. Most people are laughing at the attraction because it's just silly to be pushing people sideways. You're laughing because you're hearing your friend go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just—it's what I always remember. So every time, I, every time I go on it, I try to remember to like make that noise. They go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain why you did that last time, then. Right. One of my favorite things about this too is all the billboards that you got up for Goofy. Oh yeah. He's like teaching you to fly using hand quotes with that one. You know, it's just take off and then turn. All the and then, holes in the billboards. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good it's a good theme. It also provides some good views of, of stuff. So uh, I like it. I'm glad they've kind of kept it around. Uh, I think it'll be a good spot in the future if they decide to do some type of expansion and they need the room. I would not be opposed to them getting rid of it as long as something good came of it. Yep. So moving on, uh, this one, uh, I think you're going to tell me that this one is has not changed at all since the opening day and that is the golden zephyr yep you got it it's one of the two that weren't removed or changed when disneyland expanded and updated the park like you said it's an opening day attraction and to best describe it it's kind of similar to a dumbo or an astro orbiter except you don't get to control how high you go you're just stuck on the centripetal force and you are you are hanging from steel cables so it's kind of like the swing like silly symphony swings and dumbo together and this one does scare me because these things that you get in are very large. They mm-hmm. they look they look like um like 1940s spaceship kind of things because they're that kind of silver. They kind of look spaceshipy. Yeah. And you start going and it kind of tries to take off and it kind of like bobs a little bit as you like get enough oomph to like start spinning and take you, and then it swings you over the bay there. And I, you know, I think it's only like four steel cables holding this whole giant thing. And it just, it freaks me out. And I, I don't know. I, I, I will ride this. It's, it's, it's not a bad attraction. I just think that like, I just always get nervous on it. Yeah. Well, they have really strict like limitations on this. Like if there's constant wind at 10 miles an hour or gusts at 15, they won't run it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really low actually. That's what I thought too. So that probably explains why people with your fear of what's holding this right. up get some well, comfort pro tip this attraction almost i i don't think i've ever waited in line for this attraction no ever all right uh is that all you got for that one uh, man go. there is just a ton of information on that one oh, i mean yeah. i just don't know i mean we're gonna have to make two episodes now just just because of that we should have given golden zephyr its own feature probably oh, dang. yeah you're right Continuing on, uh, we have uh, this next attraction replaced an attraction that I actually kind of miss sometimes. It's one of those attractions, though, that the one the attraction that it replaced is one of those attractions that most people only want to go on like once. And so the the current attraction is the Little Mermaid, Ariel's Undersea Adventure. Love the attraction. Uses the Omni Mover system, like from Haunted Mansion. Uh, can push through just gobs of guests, which is great. Again. Very popular. Lots of people ride this. 
However, uh, also doesn't have that much of a line usually. No. I remember this one because you were so excited because you got the little red tag. Got the red tag. That they hand you to like time how long it takes. I remember you were so excited because you were trying to get one and people in front of us got one, people behind us got one, and finally on this attraction, you got one. And I was so good with it, unlike that time at the Haunted Mansion when I got one and got in the attraction and was quickly like, wait, someone needs to take this. Because <laughs> you wanted to steal it because you were like, yes, I yes, mean, it's mine. Would have been a cool souvenir, right? You know they have like shirts that people like make that you can get that have like hand this, yeah, okay. All right, so Little Mermaid, what do you know? Well, you've covered most of it. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, that's totally fine. I'm really curious to get your thoughts on the space that you, or what used to be in that space, which was Golden Dreams. That's what I was saying. I liked Golden Dreams. So Golden Dreams opened with Disney California Adventure, and on, uh, I'm tell, I'm warning all of our listeners right now. I am all of this is from the top of my head. I am not looking at anything from Golden Dreams. This is just all from what I remember. So Golden Dreams opened with Disney California Adventure, and. It was basically the story of California, and I thought it was a really well done movie. It was a movie, but it had some interactive elements in the in the theater. And um, the I think it was supposed to be like the spirit of California, and it was played by Whoopi Goldberg. And what was cool to me was there was this there was this movie screen, and on either side of the movie screen there was these big statues of the spirit of California. And the way the movie started was. Uh, her face was like projected on it and like it looked like the statue came alive and started talking to you but it was like a facial projection and she was talking about the story of California and then the screen would open up you know the curtains would open and then this movie would happen and it talked about all these really important things that happened in California like um, you know the the fact that the aqueduct system got opened and the gold rush and you know all these things about california that people know uh or maybe don't know and that's why there's this movie i I just really liked it i like Whoopi goldberg i thought the special effects they had with it was pretty cool it was great to get in for like 10 minutes to get out of the to get out of the heat of the summer um i obviously i like little mermaid better wait did you say heat of the summer it never gets hot or humid in california it doesn't get humid in California. It gets hot in California. Oh, except for when we visit. Yeah. Which, <laughs> thanks for that one. Anyway, uh, I liked Golden Dreams. Um, I was sort of sad to see it go. If you want to see a remnant of Golden Dreams, the, uh, the, the dome at the end of the attraction for uh, the Little Mermaid off to the side, if you're, if you're looking straight on at it, on the right-hand side, there's that dome that matches the one from San Francisco along the San Francisco area of California Adventure. Uh, that actually was uh, was the outside section where you'd wait and then you'd go in. They demolished the theater that was there to build The Little Mermaid because that's a whole new uh, show building. So uh, I like The Little Mermaid, though. What makes me the most excited about The Little Mermaid attraction was I first saw plans for this on the Little Mermaid DVD. It was like a special feature that they talked about making this attraction since the movie came out. And they had some really cool ideas. They they did most of them in this attraction. But if you have an older copy of The Little Mermaid and you look up, like, the, you know, the original idea, they had some pretty cool... Ex- they kind of took the exact ride that's there now and they kind of... Uh, it was plussed. It had a few more little extra things. But I'm really happy with this attraction. Um, I, the other memory that I have about the Little Mermaid, the Little Mermaid attraction was a few years ago, I went with my friend Jay, who had never been to Disneyland, and we went on this one quite a quite a bit, because it never had a line, and it was like, we've been walking around, there's a bunch of lines for things, let's just go on something. We went on this probably 
three or four times when we were there. And by the third or fourth time, he was like, why are we riding this again? Why? Like, this isn't that great. I'm like, yeah, but there's no line. He's like, well, there's no reason there's no line. Anyway. I fully disagree with Jay on that one, but that's because I'm a huge fan of dark rides, and I really like the Omnimover system. Like, I think it just it's really smart and makes the ride really enjoyable because then it's quick to get on, quick to get off. You're not really dependent on people Keeps hopping Keeps you moving. Out. Yeah. So Plus, you know, this this whole setup is really is nice throughout where you really get the experiences from the movie. Yeah. Though I, I think, in my opinion, it kind of struggles with what a lot of dark rides struggle with is the end just comes, like, so abruptly. Like, it's not as bad as Snow White's Scary Adventure just ending. Right. But it's like, suddenly we're married. Yeah. Yeah, it does, uh, yeah, a lot of dark rides, it's kind of funny you say that, because a lot of dark rides definitely have that kind of feel of, like, it's like they did all this cool planning, and they got to the very end, and they're like, oh, no, we we ran out of room. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I also like Scuttle. The animatronic Mm. Scuttle is awesome. Um, uh, There's also a version of this in Disney World that they built in the Fantasyland there, which uh, is themed just a little bit differently for the queue and stuff that has a lot of interactive elements. Um, I kind of like the grandiose lit up thing at California Adventure a lot. Um, I know if you're going to go for full theming, Disney World is probably better in that respect. But Yeah, uh, it definitely gets you more in the mood for Little Mermaid at Disney World. But Right. Well, uh, what's the last big thing that happens in this area of the park? Well, for that time, you need to be here at nighttime for the spectacular, as you can take in World of Color. The nighttime spectacular started June 11th, 2010. Features nearly 1,200 musical water fountains, along with lights, fire, lasers, fogs, and projections on those famous mist screens. It was inspired by Walt Disney's wonderful World of Color TV series. I, I've only seen, in person, I've only seen one version of this show. Two ver- I've seen two versions of this show, actually, now that I think about it. I saw the original, which I think was great. And then I saw the, f- um, the 60th anniversary show, mm-hmm. and I didn't think that it was as powerful to me unfortunately for me i feel like this show is just always kind of underwhelms me because i think it features a lot of things that are already in a lot of other nighttime spectaculars so i i love the concept and we'll check it out every time we're there but i I, i'm eager to see what other creative elements could really buy into this i'm trying to think maybe it's a timing issue because I really like the same type of water system. They have this at the uh, Bellagio in Vegas, and I always love to stop yeah. and see that. And that's not even like a bunch of colors. That's just literally the jets with music playing. I think that's significantly shorter, too. Yeah, so. well, that's what, I'm, that's what I meant by timing, is I'm wondering if like maybe just a bunch of water jets and the limited amount of like other effects that they have is not enough to keep me going. Because, you know, at least Fantasmic, you know, Fantasmic has... You know, uh, does not well. It has some water jets, and it's got the mist screens just like World of Color has. But it also has a lot of pyrotechnics. It has a lot of characters. Has a lot of props that come out and do things. So, I mean, I like World of Color for what it is. Actually, you don't want to know what's funny. My favorite. Well, I've got two favorite parts of World of Color. One is just at the very end when they've got the little bit of water going. It looks like paint. Yeah. And I love it. I think it looks so cool because of the way they have the lighting. And the other thing I liked was, I don't know if this is still, honestly, I don't know if this is still in the show. Uh, I have not looked to see what the current show is before recording this, because I didn't think I was going to talk this much about it. But um, <laughs> is I liked the the part where it gets all like dark, because it was there was a Heimlich scene where he's like on the leaf, 
And he goes, I'll be the same. And then they go, it goes into this like whole dark, like rainy, stormy thing. And then I think it goes from that into Pirates. And I don't really, I love Pirates. I didn't think Pirates was that great of a sequence for this. I mean, it's got a lot of fire and stuff. But I loved that sequence with the windmills and stuff. I just, oh, it does me every time. In fact, for a while, I had downloaded that and just watched that scene over and over again. I loved it. Yeah, I think what's also smart about this, and it's the Imagineers being smart Imagineers, is using the attractions as other projection points as well. Yeah, since the first time I saw it, they've added lights like on California, uh, on California Screamin'. Um, they've added a lot of uh, interesting things on, on Mickey's Fun Wheel. One thing I am disappointed with with Mickey's Fun Wheels, it always seems that part of the lighting is not working right mm-hmm. on there, um, which is very un-Disney to me. It, it seems like they're usually pretty good at that stuff. Walt would not stand for that. Well, yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff Walt maybe <laughs> wouldn't have stand, stood for. But, uh, I think he'd also be very proud. I think, I think they've done a great job with a lot of things things there so fully agree well let's leave paradise pier anything else before we leave paradise pier no i'm ready to go on an adventure all right let's stop at the bathrooms in uh in uh, the san francisco area there because that's pretty much all is in that san francisco area is the bathrooms and uh as uh as we were finishing up and heading out we look right ahead of us and we see grizzly river run which is also an icon of the park yeah i would agree with that so it's the the water attraction that we finally made it to it's like Cali River Rapids down in Disney's Animal Kingdom. You hop on a raft, you go down the flume with drops, caves, a geyser field to try to make sure you get too wet. And of course, I should mention it opened with the park. Yeah, this was one of the this was one of the like star attractions. I would say with I would say opening day attractions, this Soarin' Over California and California Screamin' were like the three like people must do. I would agree with that. Uh, and I, you know, I, I feel like I should like this attraction a lot more than I do because, um, I just don't go on it that often. Cause usually like, I don't want to be wet the rest of the day. They do have free lockers that, that are near there that you can use for like an hour or something like that. So, um, if you ever have stuff that you don't want to take on with you, you can do that. Although I'm also, I'm not like your parents, James, where if I'm going to go on a water ride, I'm just going to get wet. If I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. I'm like what your mom, like puts on like a poncho oh yeah when it was my mom and my sister and i that went down to disney world i wanted to go on splash mountain they didn't my mom eventually caved in and wore a poncho and she just loved it because as we were waiting in the queue someone goes oh you're so smart to wear a poncho i should think about asking to buy it from you or something (laughs) but that's not the fun the fun the whole point and you don't even get that wet on splash mountain no unless you yeah you can get wet but Anyway, yeah. Grizzly River Run, you can get really wet depending on how your uh, raft kind of turns or whatever. But I like it. It's it's very. Um, it takes up an immense amount of real estate in that park. Mm-hmm. Though it's the whole like center of the park. Well, it has to with all the distance that they have you travel. Right. So. It is a longer one. I like it. Um, so moving along as we continue along um, our little trail here, we come across the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail. This place is kind of like a big area that's kind of like a play area for kids. But they have a lot of character meet and greets there. We met one of our favorite uh, characters, uh, Doug, from Squirrel. from Up. Uh, he was awesome. Took some pictures with us. Uh, he reminds us of our um, dog that passed away this uh, year ago, uh, named Drake. And Drake was very much like Doug, so it was great to get a picture uh, with Doug last time we were there. Uh, what do you have about River Creek Challenge Trail, other than it was an opening day attraction? Ah, you took it from me. So, well, I just think this is a really neat kind of idea of giving a play area where kids can run around and climb on nets and cross rope bridges. There's a little zip line and a whole lot of other kind of adventure play things. So it's kind of like 
Tom Sawyer Island or Pirates Lair on Tom Sawyer Island for California Adventure. Yeah, except I'd say it's, you know, obviously it's not like the Explorer Pirate Cave kind of deal. It's the let's go climb and run around and find your spirit animal in the cave, which right. I think was based on Brother Bear, yep. if I remember. Yeah, I like this area. I like that adults can go in it. They have like a they have a tire thing you can go slide across. They have a bunch of rope bridges. It gets pretty high. Yeah, uh, it gets in super there. High up there. Um, I know that last time we were there and I ran around, I was tired, but I'm also older. So, <laughs> uh, it's great for kids to run around. There's plenty of supervised stuff going on. Like I said, there's a lot of character stuff during the holidays. You can meet Santa there. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, I think he's been there. Um, I think you can meet his uh, sometimes his reindeer on there. Something that makes if I sense. Remember, I would definitely call this area underrated in California Adventure. It's themed very nicely. All of it. Yep. All of this whole area. Well, as we continue around the corner, um, if this was park opening, uh, you know, way back when the park first opened, we'd be entering Condor Flats, but we're actually going to end up in Grizzly Peak Airfield, which was just remodeled not too long ago. Do you have any information just on the land itself, or did we just have Soren? We just got Soren. All right. So what little bit I know about the land just off the top of my head is uh, this area was themed to be like an old 1940s airfield. There was There's a restaurant there uh, that's actually pretty good, uh, good selection, like burgers and stuff like that. Uh, that is now Taste Pilot's Grill. That's what it was before. <laughs> Smoke Jumper's Grill is what it is now. So I told you off the top of my head. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this area is in Buena Vista Street. You know, you take a right and you go in and that's it. And I would say that this this is one of the most popular attractions anywhere that it's at. Oh, totally. So before we even get into the attraction, I think it's always nice when you kind of consolidate the area to be Grizzly Peak Airfield because... I have a spot that has just one attraction. It just seems like whole theming for a whole lot of nothing. So. That's true. That's true. I mean, it does still look like a hangar. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a nice set of bathrooms there, too. There's a, there's a gift shop. I, I say the bathroom thing because that's one thing California Adventure does really well is there's lots of bathrooms, like, everywhere, and they're large. Mm-hmm. Unlike sometimes at Disneyland where... There's there's also a, a fair amount of bathrooms, but sometimes they're small. You know, there's only like one or two. Stalls. Or they're tucked in a little hallway between shops, and if you right. don't know to look for them, right, you keep wandering. Right. All right. So Soren, now uh, featuring Soren over the world, the flight motion simulator opened with the park. Updated June seventeenth, twenty sixteen. Guests hop onto the mechanical hang glider, and will fly across wherever they're flying, formerly California. And because of its success, it was duplicated in Epcot and Shanghai Disneyland, and it's expected to open in Tokyo Disney Sea in 2019. Oh, they're gonna love that! I know. Um, so in in California Adventures version, there's only the two theaters. There's only the two theaters that have the the hang gliders, so there's only two going at a time. Mm-hmm. The vi- the movie is only you know, you know it's like four minutes if you count in load time and everything. You're probably looking at six minutes a theater. So really, I mean, you know, it seats a good amount of people, but like, I think one of the reasons this is always busy and always has a line is I just think that it's it's one of those attractions, again, that it's hard for them to have high capacity on. It's a great attraction. Well, it's because you're loading and unloading in the same car in the same room. There's no way to shuffle right. people off that, that easily. Right. I do think they do a good job. I will say my personal experience, if you have ridden this attraction before... You may or may not have noticed that there is actually kind of a sweet spot to sit in this attraction. So I've sat all over the place in this attraction. I always ask, can I wait to be in the middle front? Because you end up being the highest up, and there's no feet in front of you, 
and you don't get this weird distortion because it's a curved screen. So if you're on either side, doesn't matter what row you're in on either side, it, it's distorted. It's kind of warped. If you're in the second row back, you've got feet in front of you. Uh, so you got a little bit of that. If you're on the bottom, you kind of miss a whole chunk of the top and you've got feet in front of you. So I always try to say, uh, if, you're, if, you, if you have 100% choice, try to be in the front row of the center section if you can't get that for whatever reason, I've never had a cast member have a problem with that. Try to get at least the second row of the center section. Uh, even if you have to wait a turn, I would say do it. I think it's worth it. Yeah, and the amount that you're waiting for Soren anyway, yeah. you know, another six, eight minutes is right. not going to be too detrimental. Now, I will say this attraction has a couple things that I love about it. So first of all, I love Patrick. <laughs> Hello. Yes, you do. My name is Patrick, and I'll be your chief flight attendant today. Love him. It's almost like Heimlich, uh, who's going away after we talked about him. But anyway, uh, I love Patrick. I love some of the jokes. They're very stale now because they've been around for a while. But uh, but you still listen to him every time that you're there. Oh, no, I do. And I pay attention to him because I just think he's awesome because, uh, you, you know, I, Patrick Warburton is awesome as an actor. And uh, I'm glad to see when they switched it from Soaring Over California to Soaring Around the World that they kept his safety spiel in the front, which is great. Yep. So, uh, the other thing I, I miss about this attraction is I have not ridden Soarin' Over the World yet at e- any of the parks. Uh, we just missed it by a little bit. We saw Soarin' Over California, I think, one last time when we were in Epcot. Yep. And um, one thing that, the, that they've changed in this attraction since they opened that I really miss is they used to keep the screen black. Like, they didn't project anything on it. So, when you were sitting down, it's just a black screen. And as the landing lights by your chairs were there they would turn those off you'd be in darkness and so the whole lifting up scenario you just felt like what just happened i don't know how this works this is crazy but now they have it blue all the time and i'm not sure what facility that changed i think it happened when they went from uh, film to digital. So I think that they maybe have to keep the bulb or something. I don't know. But uh, I miss be, that could, excitement. It could be they're trying to simulate like a blue sky and get you in that mindset, but... Yeah, but I like the idea of like, it's dark and all you would feel was the rush of air as, as your glider or whatever was was pulled up. Um, I, so I, I miss that. I think that's something nice too because that really helped like suck you into the experience. Yeah. And I've been looking forward to Tag talking about this attraction because he has a really good but slightly embarrassing story oh, I love about story. his first time on it. So oh, Tag, yeah. please share. So uh, probably a year after California, two years, year, two years after California Adventure opened, I went there uh, back in like 2002 and I hadn't been to Disney, the Disneyland Resort since probably 95, 96, maybe? 96. I was there in 96. So I hadn't been there in a while. And we went on this attraction. And if you remember the original Soarin' Over California, it was, you know, you got all these cool things. You got the jets flying towards the end. And you're over, you know, nighttime L.A. And I'm like, this is so cool. And then it hits that moment of the music. And it's Disneyland. And I swear to God that I pointed and I yelled, it's Disneyland! Higher pitch voice, but it's Disneyland! And everybody in my row looked at me because they heard me yell this out. But I thought it was so cool that at the end of this whole flying around, you end up over Disneyland. And um, 
I haven't. Uh, I don't think I've seen the new ending for Disneyland, but I have seen the new ending for Epcot, mm-hmm. and I love that Tinkerbell flies around Spaceship Earth, and then it makes it look makes Spaceship Earth look like a Mickey head and fireworks start because I just I just love that, and I loved that they put Disneyland in there at the end. Uh, and I just loved it. I I, just loved it. I just love how it's proof that you just got so sucked into the attraction and the moment and the feel that, you know, you get to your happy place and you're just so excited that there it is. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, man, I love that attraction and I love that end part. I just, all of it, all of it, loved all of it. And I hope it stays around for a long time and they update it all the time. Oh, so. They're so excited about this attraction. People are always on it, yeah. always in line. I mean, when we were at it at Walt Disney World, it was like a two, three hour well, wait Disney typically. World, Disney World added a third theater to be able to do this. Uh, California Adventures doesn't have the room for it, but yep. uh, they should find room somewhere and make it happen. Well, that's it for our tour of Disney California Adventure. I hope you've all enjoyed going along this trip with us. Uh, If you haven't been catching up with the podcast, I will tell you that a few weeks ago we started at Disneyland and we did Adventureland and we did New Orleans Square and we did Critter Country and Frontierland and Fantasyland and Mickey's Toontown and Tomorrowland and Main Street. And then we did the Esplanade and Buena Vista Street and Hollywoodland and a bug's land and a car's land and paradise pier and now we've done uh grizzly peak and grizzly peak airfield as well so uh if you want a tour of disneyland uh the whole resort except for the stuff that's outside the parks definitely uh go back and listen to our last few episodes where we've talked about all this stuff we are actively looking for ideas for discussion topics in the future that you guys might be interested in. So please feel free to contact us via any way that you can. Uh, you could tweet at us at DL Weekly. You can go on to Facebook and search for Disneyland Weekly. You can send us an email at feedback at DisneylandWeekly.com. There is all of those places you can contact us uh, and let us know what you want uh, us to talk about other than news in the coming weeks. We, are, we would love to hear your feedback. Speaking of feedback... Uh, we have now come to that part of the show where we talk about some of our feedback. So, on Twitter, Jen tweeted at us, Thank you, my parents, uh, uh, Tulara Guy 79 love your podcast. So, I think it was last episode we had a tweet from uh, Tulara Guy 79 So, apparently, uh, Jen is uh, the daughter of, of them. So, thanks for listening. And then from Debbie... This is by far the best Disneyland podcast I have listened to. I'm listening to all the old ones, too. Heading to Disneyland next week, I'm going to sound like a genius. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way. I'm glad that you think that we've given you enough information to uh, take that along with you uh, and everything like that. So, uh, awesome. Uh, We didn't have any Facebook feedback this week, so we're going to move on to iTunes reviews. Uh, Med School Chick uh, left us a review that said, There are many Disney podcasts on iTunes. This one is very lopsided and very anti-Disney. When I want to listen to Disney podcast, I want to hear positive outlook or at least a fair outlook on Disney. This is very anti-Disney and very uncomfortable to listen to. Also, a lot of it is scripted instead of actual conversation, which makes it awkward. What I have to say to all of you guys listening is um, we were kind of taken back by this one. Uh, we think that it might be like the wrong podcast because, I, I mean, maybe we just don't see it, but I don't think we're anti-Disney. James, you've listened to a bunch of the podcasts. What do you think? Yeah, I think anti-Disney would be a, a big stretch. I mean, there's honesty in this podcast of things that you don't like or would change, but I don't think that's anti-Disney at all. I think it's generally fair, constructive criticism. But, you know, we we did promise to read all the reviews as they come in, at least for the time being, so. Right, yeah. 
Uh, and then also uh, Miguel V994, who is also a patron of ours. Thank you, Miguel. We talk to him all the time in our Slack channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, love the show. Very helpful information about the park. Keep it up. So we also got some email feedback. So James, why don't you go ahead and read the first um, email? Yeah, so this one comes to us from John. It says, hey, Tag, thanks for your podcast. You mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean has been shut down for the makeover. Do you have dates the ride is going to be closed? Thanks, John. And the answer to that is Pirates is going to close on April the 23rd, and there is currently no return date. However, the changeover in Disney World only took about three weeks, so we could see it return as early as May 13th, but that's entirely based on the Magic Kingdom date. Not official, definitely just speculation, but cross our fingers because, you know, Pirates is awesome. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see that it only took three weeks out in the Magic Kingdom, so I can't imagine that's going to take longer, especially considering that the summer season is starting shortly after that so i mean they might be able to stretch it out they might do some other refurbishment stuff but if they're just doing the turnover it only took three weeks at magic kingdom i can't imagine it's gonna take longer yep. uh jimmy uh sent us an email and said hello there i'm a new subscriber and i'm really enjoying the show i am curious have you heard if they will still be doing the princess character dining experience anywhere since ariel's grotto has gone away thanks so much for your time uh, I did a little bit of research. I don't think they've moved this anywhere in the park. Um, if you want character dining, I would head over to Disneyland and go to the Plaza Inn where they have character dining. Uh, and that's probably your best bet to get character dining. Otherwise, uh, you can also get character dining um, at, uh, you can go to Goofy's Kitchen over in Disney, um, at the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, so there's there's some places. Just do some research and find out what's going to work best for you guys. Um, so that's that's the answer that I have for that one. So, well, James, thank you so much for joining us and filling in for Teresa this week. Hopefully, Teresa will be back next week after her kitchen remodel is done. Uh, I've, I'm pretty sure I can tell you guys that uh, her kitchen looks great. She's been working on it for all weekend and this whole week. And that um, her her Disney knickknacks are going to stay. Uh, so just because she's remodeling doesn't mean her Disney knickknacks are going anywhere. So uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. And you know, doing this, I realize I'm bringing some diversity to this podcast. Because while you and Teresa like to go left, I would go right and hit up Space Mountain right away. Because that's my favorite attraction here. So. Oh, we got somebody who's going against the, ter- against the, the grain here. Going right instead of going left. Call me crazy. Okay, so you go in and you go to Space Mountain, then what? Well, I, I skipped the Autopia because I, I, I don't like that attraction very much, but I, I'd probably wander my way back to Fantasyland and start hitting the dark rides. Okay, so where do you go when you go into California Adventure? Mm, I would probably go straight for Tower of Terror. So you go left there? Yes. And it's not Tower of Terror anymore. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Forever in my heart. (laughs) Well, as we wrap up this week, we want to thank all of you for listening each and every week. Please don't forget to support the show if you can by going to DisneylandWeekly.com slash support or by sharing Disneyland Weekly on social media or by word of mouth with other Disneyland fans that you know. If you've been on the fence about becoming a patron over at Patreon, we have added and changed a few levels. The major changes include access to our Slack chat, at the $3 level instead of the $10 level. You'll get buttons, stickers, and pins starting at that level as well, all the way up to dinner with us in the park at the Club 33 level. Check it out at DisneylandWeekly.com support and let us know what you think. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can follow us on Facebook by searching for Disneyland Weekly, on Twitter at DL Weekly, or sending us an email at feedback at DisneylandWeekly.com. Feel free to email Facebook or tweet at us any questions, feedback, or suggestions you may have about the show. We, being Teresa and Tag, will be back next week with more Disneyland news and information, and who knows when I'll drop by again. So until then, go out and enjoy the park. Because we can't. Ladies and gentlemen, Disneyland has now ended its normal operating day.
We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that you'll be back with us again soon.